Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. I want to speak tonight, if you were a part of Mingle Time, you'll know what this is about. I want to speak tonight about our roller coaster emotions. But before we get into it, let me just say this, that spiritual life is not a box that I happen to visit on a special day or only in the special places. It's not like somehow or other, you know, Jesus, well, that's for Sunday or that's for when there's praise and worship that leads me in there. Jesus said in John 10 and verse 10, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He didn't say that they might have a more abundant church experience or that they might really enjoy prayer or they might really get something great out of the Word of God. He talked about their life. And so I believe that everything that this Bible talks about works not in one arena called church, but it works in every part of our life and our world. And so everything that Jesus taught is for all of life. And so tonight, if you will allow me, I want to speak to you, but this is not trying to preach you up to somewhere. I just want to open my heart and talk to you about maybe how God can help you to do life better and how you can grow and change and see something of God using you increase in your life and world. So let's start at Matthew 14, verse 23. I'm going to read a bunch of verses, but stay with us. It's a great story. Matthew 14, verse 23 says, And when He, that's Jesus, had sent the multitudes away, He went up on the mountain by Himself to pray. I could stop right there because I think so often about how important prayer is and how undervalued it is in so many people's lives. But I haven't got time. Let's go on. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. And it says, but the boat, that's the boat that the disciples were in, is in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, because the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it's I, don't be afraid. Peter, the impulsive guy, he answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. I love these next two words. And immediately, I don't know how far away Jesus was, but that distance was crossed by love and by faith so fast and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This story of this boat ride that we just read about here actually follows on from the beginning of the chapter, another boat ride. But this boat ride has got a totally different outworking. 
this one's from verse 13, and I'm not going to take the time to read it. But from verse 13 through to 21, it's a boat ride that ends up with them in another place. And a crowd gathers to hear Jesus. He's speaking all day long. There's 5,000 men alone, not counting women and children. And they're there all day and they're so caught up that they forget the food, they forget the have some to drink. They're there. And at the end of the day, the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, send them away. Get them to go get some food. These people are in danger of fainting from lack of nourishment. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Well, they're all amazed. They all go, this can't happen. And long story short, boy brings up five loaves, two fish, and Jesus prays over it. Now remember, he prayed when he was alone. So now his public prayer, we could just preach about that, that it's the private prayer of the believer that gives the public prayer the power. But I don't have time to go into that tonight. But his private prayer was what opened up what happened in public. And so he prays over it. The disciples distribute it because Jesus is going to get them involved in the miracle as he always does. And so then all these people get fed. But forget about the how that happened for now. Let me just ask you to come with me on a bit of a journey, an emotional journey. I just want to chart with you for a minute the emotions of these people. First of all, the first emotion is concern for the people. It's the disciples who say to Jesus, we're concerned. These people are about to fight. So the first emotion is one of concern and care. Then the next emotion they get when Jesus says is, come on, why don't you do something about it? They're overwhelmed. They're like going, hello, don't be ridiculous. There's way too much need and there's way too little resource. We can't possibly do it. Then when he says to them after he's prayed and gives them each one a basket and says, you go and feed them, I'm pretty sure that every one of them in their head has got this big emotion rattling around. You have got to be joking. We are about to look so stupid I'm embarrassed to go. But Jesus, you said to, I reckon every single one of them walked around with one eye on the basket and they're looking in there and there's still just the bits they had and one eye on the crowd. And I think they went fairly gingerly up to the first person thinking by the time I get to person number three, there's nothing left. And I think by the time they went through one and two, they got to three, both eyes are shut and they're holding it out God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Anybody ever prayed an oh God, oh God prayer? Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Both eyes shut. But the person, instead of saying, hey, there's nothing left, the person says, thank you very much. That's great. And they went, really? And they looked in there. And apparently when it all should have gone, there was more in there. The bread and the fish is multiplying in the basket. So we've gone from concern to overwhelmed to you've got to be kidding to excited amazement. Now, the next thing after that, once you've done about 10 people like that, and there's 5,000 and 12 disciples, 12 into 5,000 goes what? 400 and oh, about one 
point something or other. You work it out later. All I know is there's a lot of people. And after you get past 20 and you're carrying the basket, I'm pretty sure you're going like, oh, we got this. Oh, man, yeah, this is so exciting. This is the best thing that's happened to me. I thought I thought life was pretty cool following Jesus. But look at this. I'm going to open a cafe with this basket. I'm going to start a catering company with this basket. And they're all kind of going around and the chest puffs out a bit. And instead of, you've got to be kidding now, it's, look at me, wait, is this a story to tell the kids at home or what? And then they go from that to high praise to going like, God, you're amazing. You're the God of miracles. Yes, you are. And we are pumped to the max. And it's so exciting. Woo-hoo! And they're all delirious with the great things that God is doing. And then Jesus says, good, let's get in another boat. And I guarantee every one of them thinking, what are we going to do in our next boat ride? If that boat ride ended up with that, this boat ride is going to end up incredible. We are probably going to go and raise a thousand people from the dead. Oh, wow. Anybody ever felt like that? God did something great for you and through you and the next minute you're there looking for who? I know when I got saved and baptised the Holy Spirit, I felt like these hands were licensed, but not licensed to kill like James Bond, but licensed to bless. I remember, I know this might sound stupid, but hello, give me a bit of slack here. I was a new Christian who was so on fire. I was just looking for someone sick and someone in need and someone that didn't know Jesus so I could, mm, I'm like that. Woo! Okay, just me. All right, all right. Just so I check. Well, these guys, they get in the second boat But instead of incredible, amazing miracles, they go right back to fear. They go right back to when Jesus says, come, they go right back to, you've got to be kidding. Same cycle. It's like their emotions are like this. They're up and down like yo-yos. But then Peter actually walks on water. Have you ever wondered why nobody else said me too? Huh? Nobody else did. And they're watching Peter. That's the guy they know. They fished with him, some of them, all their life. He never walked on water before. He just sank. Now this guy's out there and they're all gone. And they wished that they had a camera, but there weren't any. All they could do was scratch in charcoal on the side of the boat, a little picture, a little stick man walking on water. That's all there was. Well, they go from that and then when Peter starts to sink because of fear, well, their next emotion, you know what it is. Come on, if you're an Aussie, you know this one. Yeah, too good to be true. Yeah, pull the other leg, mate, plays jingle bells. Now, sorry, Simon in, uh, in Singapore and anybody in some of that's it's just an Aussie thing. Aussies are pretty famous for being... Mm, a little bit in the cynical side, can I say that? You know, we, we don't want to be gullible for anybody. So much so that sometimes our default is to be cynical about what's going on. And these guys, no doubt, are nudging one another saying, you know, I was going to go, thank God I never went. Huh? They watch him start to sink. But then immediately Jesus takes his hand and then get this, Jesus and Peter Walk to the boat together. Talk about astonishment. 
And then it ends up, as we just read, in high praise all over again. See, the disciples are just like you and like me. They're roller coaster emotions. Amazement, joy, excitement, fear. You've got to be kidding. All those things. And the reality is that for many people, that is just normal. And it becomes their whole modus operandi for life. It's just the way they do life. And those people, if you ask them, how are you feeling today? They'll tell you how they're feeling. Have you ever noticed that our media, when they interview somebody, they never ask someone what their plans are, what their vision is. They say, tell us how it feels. We have made emotions in our world king of everything. And so that's why a message like this is so important. Not so that we get rid of them, not at all. Not so that we pretend, not at all. But so that we understand how to get off the roller coaster of emotions, all right? So here's a couple of things for you to think about. A great life doesn't depend on great emotions. A lot of people think it does. They think I've got to feel up. They think I've got to be, don't worry, be happy. So many people will buy that thing because it'll make them feel good. How many people here have ever bought something and it made you feel good for about 10 minutes? And then you started realising how much money you'd spent on it and all of a sudden your joy turned up. Oh, what did I do that for? Come on, anybody here? Yeah, I've done it. I've done the same thing as well, you know. And sometimes we think that what we need most in life is to be happy. And so we keep doing things to try and get happy into us. But a great life doesn't depend on great emotions. Emotions, good or bad, high or low, will not last. I remember reading a, a psychology document years ago where this person talked about uh, no human can sustain a high level of emotion for more than 20 minutes. I don't know what the latest research is, but I remember that one. In other words, that if you're gripped by panic, it won't last forever. It'll ebb and flow. If you've got a great joy, it won't last forever. Remember the pay rise you got? Well, some of you might remember that. Remember the pay rise? When you got it, you're like, oh, wow. Do you know how long a pay rise lasts emotionally? This has been studied, by the way. Somewhere between three and four months. Three and four months later, it's like you never got it. huh? Remember the job you got that on day one, you were like, oh, this is the best job in the world. Oh, wow, I'm so, oh God, this is amazing. Six months later, you're going, oh, the boss is a turkey. <laughs> are you all here? Huh? You, I know there's a lot of you here. And wherever you are, but you know what I'm saying is true. You didn't sustain that emotion. You had it. You said, this is incredible. But a little bit later, it's like, oh, yeah. Isn't that true? How sad that can be. Emotions, good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, For believers, for we walk by faith and not by sight or by feelings. I've learned to tell myself when emotions are difficult or when something's happening and my natural emotion is fear or anxiety or whatever it might be, I've learned over the years to tell myself it's just a feeling and it won't last. That saves me from responding to it and letting it tell me what my next step is. 
Psalm 18, I think it is, verse 33, says you've made my feet like hind's feet so that I can tread on the high places. That's important because so many people, they get into a rocky high place and emotion takes them away from their destiny. Can I say to you to follow Jesus is the greatest thing you'll ever do, but it's also the scariest thing you'll ever do. And I don't mean that as though it's scary to the point of panic. I just mean God keeps asking you to do things that are ridiculous. Huh? Come on, He does. You know He does. Huh? We just have been celebrating destiny offering. That's scary in this world right now. That's scary. But all these people are going, no, He's got this. And so they're not letting the emotion carry them and hold on to them. It's just a feeling. Here's another thing that I learn about emotions out of this story in Matthew 14 is that a negative or a low emotion doesn't mean anything. It's no indicator at all about God's closeness or your future. Come on, whatever's happening right now. Look across this crowd here in a Metro Church Online. Some of you are going to say, I had the best week. My business is booming. It's amazing. Oh, the Holy Spirit, God, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Others you hear going, saying, I've had the worst dog of a week anybody ever had. Can I say this to you? And I want you to hear it. That whichever one of those two you may be experiencing or in between means nothing about God's closeness. When Peter is the most low, he's in fear of his life and the boat's a long way away. He had a different level of fear to the disciples. They are afraid in a boat. He's afraid walking on water and starting to sink. No life jacket. His level of fear is up several notches. And this guy, he's got all of that. And if you had judged how close God was to him by what he was feeling, you would have said, you're done. But you know what? Immediately Jesus was right beside him. Doesn't say anything about your future. None of their roller coaster of emotions was any reliable indicator of the will of God or what He would do next. Isn't that good news? That whatever I'm in today doesn't tell me anything at all about what God's going to do tomorrow. Hello? Again, that's another thing I've learned to remind myself of. When I say remind myself, I believe in talking to yourself. Because the psalmist did. I will say to my soul, I just think you've got to say some of the right stuff to yourself. So I've often reminded myself, you know what? This means nothing about what God's going to do. All this is, is a circumstance. All this is, is an emotion. It's going to pass. And it doesn't tell me anything about what God will do next. Here's the third thing. Don't mistake emotions for faith. What do I mean by that? Well, I know this is contrary and I've never heard anybody ever preach this, but it needs to be said. Faith does not rely on you feeling up. Boy, that's important to know. God doesn't need me to be happy, happy, clappy or to pretend before He'll move. It's not like the Lord's sitting there going, no, no misery guts is here. Get out, get happy and come back. Only joy in my presence. The Bible says in His presence, there's fullness of joy. But that doesn't mean you've got to bring it there. Amen. That means if you get there, you'll find it. 
Are you here? And so God doesn't need that. I think that is such a relief to understand that I never need to come to God and pretend that I'm anything other than who I am. I don't have to come before God and say, oh God, you know, I'm just feeling so chuffed. Oh, this is the greatest joy of my life. Now, I've got to be honest, being called by God, I think, is the greatest joy of my life. But there are some days when, let's just say the joy is deep down. And, you know, the Bible says in Isaiah, therefore shall with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. How many people have ever seen the water table sink? Amen. You're letting the bucket down there to get the joy out of the well of salvation. And you're going, we need more rope. <laughs> Is it okay to be this honest? But I want your life to get better. I want you to walk with Jesus. And, and you can't do that if you've got this false idea of, and if I turn up and tell God how messed up I am, He won't want to talk to me. The reverse is true. Come on. I've raised, my wife and I have raised three kids. You know, they weren't always good. Don't let them know I said that. Huh? There's been a few times where I'd go, oh God, oh Jesus. Am I, maybe I'm being too honest because some of you all think, oh, your children, they are all so wonderful. Yeah, yeah, they are almost all the time. But in a few other days, huh? Come on. And so God doesn't need me to be pretending. Don't mistake emotions for faith. You can pray regardless of how you feel. And God will listen. God never says, I listen to them that are excited. Because I've seen people that were excited in the service and gave, I was about to say a, a bad thing right there. I was, you know, gave someone a rude sign in the car park. I've seen it. You know, on the way home, they lost all the joy they got in the service and totally evaporated. But you know what? They're not less of a Christian. You're not a Christian according to how you feel. Are you here? Here's the last one. Ready? Be a thermostat to those around about you, not a thermometer. I'll explain. You know this anyway. Most of you or many of you will have a car. And in the car, it's got the outside temperature. It's called ambient temperature. It's the temperature outside the environment. And then there's the other one that you can dial up in your car, huh? You know, and now we've even got it so that there's two sides, which is really kind of great, isn't it? Because Rhonda can be over there saying, I'm really cold and turn it up to 25. And I can say, no, I'm really hot and I can turn it down to 18. And somehow or other, the invisible partition between us down the middle of the car doesn't, there isn't one. Uh, but they're the difference between the two things. One of those is a thermometer. It tells you the temperature that's there. The other one is a thermostat that raises or lowers the temperature. Which one are you? Do you change the temperature of your environment or do you simply measure it? The disciples were in sync with each other's emotions. There was no discussion about it. There was no vote. These people all together were in sync in their emotions. They're all afraid. They're all amazed. They're all in this together. In other words, the dominant emotion of the crowd was what led them. Are you somebody where what everyone else is like at work 
is the way you respond emotionally? Is what you pick up in the newspaper or what you read on the news, is that what sets the temperature emotionally in your home? Or are you a thermostat? And so you say, you know what, no matter what's going on out there, this is how I'm going to be. Because the thing I notice in both these boat journeys that we talked about, the thing I notice is this, the only person who was not on the roller coaster of emotions was Jesus. He was neither in the highs and he was not in the lows. Just because other people are anxious doesn't mean you have to be. Just because other people are upset, angry or despondent or critical or fearful doesn't mean you ought to be. Don't get in sync with what everybody else. You can stay in the boat with the crowd or you can decide I'm going to walk with the person who's not on the roller coaster of emotions. This is something that every believer will learn. And listen to me, the Holy Spirit will train every Christian in this, whether you like it or not. Go and read First and Second Timothy. Paul's writing to a young man out in leadership and in ministry. And he says things to him like, uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. Why do you think he wrote that for? Because Timothy is timid. The Greek word there means timid. He's unsure of himself. Why does he write things like 2 Timothy 4 verse 9? It says, be instant in season and out. In other words, don't be on the roller coaster. He says, Timothy, no matter how you feel, get up and do your job. Get up and fulfil your call. And I've discovered no matter who you are, the Holy Spirit is going to start training you. Now you can either write the start say, yep, Lord, I'm up for that. I'm going to get off the roller coaster. I'm going to start walking with Jesus. You don't have to pretend. You don't deny your emotions. What you do simply is bring them before God. You start saying, Lord, this is the way I feel at the moment, but I know it's going to pass. I'm going to put my eyes, Lord, on what you've called me to do. And I'm going to put my eyes on what you're about. Because it seems to me that the thing that most keeps us emotionally strong is a focus on our purpose. I really pray that over this next seven days or so, you will work with the Holy Spirit. I pray it'll go beyond the next seven days or so. I pray that you'll start saying, Lord, would you teach me? Would you help me? Doesn't mean you're not going to have moments of anxiety or pressure or fear. I've had all of those. I just think I have them all a lot less and they don't control my life like they ever used to. Come on, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity. There's something healing about the Word of God. There's something beautiful and enriching about your Word to us. That when we hear it, it inspires us. It doesn't condemn us. It inspires us. Lord, we go, that's what I want to be. I thank you for all the people that are here and a part of this service that have already been on that journey and can look back and say, you know, I used to be like that. My goodness, how I've grown. Look what God has done. Look how brilliant a work the Holy Spirit has done. Lord, for other people, maybe that haven't been on that journey much yet, I pray you'll help them. Lord, do for them what you continue to do for us and remind us of your promises. 
Remind us of our purpose. Remind us of your power. Father, I pray as well for anybody that's a part of this service that would say in their heart, I don't really know Jesus. They might know religion or they might know a church. They might know a Christian, but they don't know if they are one. Lord, I pray that if they'll just open their heart and say their yes to you, Lord, that you'll come into their life and you will begin to walk with them because that's your plan for every human being. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you want to say your yes to Jesus, it's so easy to do that. It's the greatest, simplest thing that I know. I've never tired of it. In all the years that I've been seeing people say yes to Christ, I think back to people that I've watched their world and their life literally be transformed. When the Bible says if anyone's in Christ, that is connected to Him, they're a new creature. It's not trying to say some kind of a cliche thing. It's actually an accurate description of what it is when we allow Jesus when we say yes to Him and we allow Him into our life. You can say yes if you're in Australia. You can text yes to 488 If you're outside of Australia or you'd like to get the same help via email, literally it fits on one screen of a smartphone, by the way. It's one Scripture every day, a different one for 30 days. It's one prayer, a different one every day for 30 days. You get it on your smartphone or you can get it via an email if you just give your yes to yes.metrochurch.org.au. It comes from us, nowhere else. And we would love to be a part of you following Jesus in your life. One more thing I want to do, and that is I want to pray for people here that maybe in your life right now, you feel like the emotional pressure that's on you is just too much. You feel like, Jeff, that all sounded so great, but man, I'm so far down. I haven't seen daylight for a while on this. You know, I've seen God again and again. So many times I've prayed with people and prayed that the peace of God, which the Scripture says passes all understanding. In other words, I don't have to have worked it out. It just bypasses and goes deep inside of me. And I've seen God do that for people who were suffering panic, anxiety, fear, nightmares, all kinds of disrupted sleep, all kinds of physical ailments out of the stress that they were going through. And I've seen God reach in there and and so change them that the symptoms of it started to disappear. I want to pray that for you tonight. Father, thank You for everyone that's a part of this service. Lord, You know the ones, there's many, Lord, right now for whom sleep has become something. There's people that are dreading night. They're dreading the evening because they know that at some point they're going to be too tired. They'll have to go to bed. But when they go to sleep, nightmares are the almost every evening thing that happens. So Lord, I pray You'll heal them in Jesus' Name. I pray for people, Lord, for whom the pressure of what's going on, they feel like they're sinking. But Lord, You're the one who is immediately stretching forth Your hand. I pray you'll heal them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Pastor Bruce is going to be uh, hosting ministry time in just a few minutes. 
as well as that, of course, if you're in the building and you'd like prayer, come forward at the end of the service. We'd love to be praying with you.